Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The impact of, of God's Word, I want to think a little bit about that, speak about that today, because again, God the Father says about His Son, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And so what we have is not only the words of read in the Bible that we're supposed to listen to, we want to listen to Jesus, but we want to listen to what the whole Word of God has to say, and I think what's really important for us is to, to say, what is, God's, what is the impact of God's Word, the words of Jesus, the Word of God, the whole thing, in my life? What's the impact? So in order for us to, to start, I just want to, this is one of my Bibles. Now, what would happen if I was just nice and put my Bible over there, but... Uh, just never opened it. The impact might be kind of low. If I don't actually know what the Word of God says, if I don't actually look at it at all, the impact in my life might be nada. <laughs> Nothing. And I wonder, is that ever true in our lives? So there's a, a little song I like to do with the kids as well. And I'll do this in my own pitch because Pat doesn't have her guitar on right now. And it says, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. But sometimes we don't, and so neglect your Bible, forget to pray. Forget to pray, forget to pray, neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, 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 and then it goes down from there, and we rise back up again. That's the whole song. Okay. (laughs) The question is, if I'm not allowing God's Word to impact me, then in my relationship with God and in my living out this life of God in me, I might be shrinking. Now, I want to clear up one thing pretty quickly. So, John 5, 39 and 40 is some of my favorite verses. John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders and he says, You diligently study the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I think sometimes when we think about growing, growing, doing you know, more and more growing and growing, we think we're doing better and better in the Christian life, and therefore, I need Jesus less. I wonder if sometimes we think more and more means more and more moral. Growing more and more moral instead of growing more and more dependent. Dependent on Jesus for mercy, dependent on Jesus for his grace, depending on Jesus for his guidance, for his wisdom, for his life lived in me, which means I'm growing up into Christ my head. When I look into the word, am I looking just for some do's and don'ts and morality? I'm kind of just quick opening it and saying, what does God say to me right now? Or will I look into it and says, what is God revealing about Jesus for me? What is he revealing about Jesus for his people? And what can I then learn from that? So important. So as we look in this today, 
there's a Bible passage. So we think about the impact of God. God's word is useful. God's word is, or the scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. For teaching. So what is it that God's word teaches us? Well, one thing that I was reading just recently comes to us in Galatians 6, verse 1. It's a beautiful passage. In Galatians 6, 1, it says this. Give me just a moment to get there. It says this. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then later it says... Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to anyone else. For each one should carry his own load. So I'm supposed to help my brother carry his burdens, but each one has to carry his own load. What does this mean? What's the, what's the teaching here? What is, what's happening? And I want to share with you what Jay Adams writes. He says this. The command is clear. We all must restore any brothers or sisters whom God places in our pathway day by day. But in the same breath, there are several important considerations that we must mention. To fail to do so will leave a distorted impression of what God requires. First, note that the word restore, the word is important. The original Greek word was written by fishermen, was used by fishermen, sorry, and by physicians when they described the mending of fishnets and the setting of fractures. They both called their work restoration. A torn net is of little or no value. The fish easily slip through and are lost. Likewise, broken bones in an arm make it useless until they are set. But when nets are repaired and bones have been mended, we say that they have been restored to their former use. After restoration, the net or the limb is once more capable of functioning as it should. That precisely is the goal of Christian counseling that is set forth in Galatians 6.1. By bearing the burden of counseling those in need, one seeks to restore an erring brother or sister to usefulness in Christ's church to his honor and their benefit. Is that what happens here? So if I see someone caught in a sin, if I see someone struggling, will I actually take the effort to go to them in order to restore, to see what's going on, to involve... Now, I don't want a bunch of busybodies. Okay? Always sticking your nose in someone else's business. But if this person is loved by you and cared for by you, and you're not trying to just win an argument, tell them how bad they are, and they need to get their life together, that's not helpful. But if you care about them because you see something that's just concerning you, and you don't think it honors God, so you step up and you say, this is something I've noticed, that I've noticed, that I'm noticing here. What's happening? And then to be able to talk about it. And maybe to be able to remind them again of God's grace in Christ who covers that sin and and help them turn away from it so they again can be more and more useful in God's kingdom. When we go to another, when we say, hey, this is something I see in your life, is that our goal? Do we go to say, I want to restore you so you can again be useful in God's kingdom? (laughs) I usually like it when you talk. Is that what we do? Or do we tend to say, oh, Don is sinning. Who am I to say something's wrong with somebody else? Right? We're like magnets turned the wrong way. Instead of me being drawn to Don and saying, this is what I want to do. Because, again, I need to make this clear. 
When God says about his son Jesus, he says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. If you're a baptized, believing person, if you've been brought into God's family, you trust in Jesus, do you know that what God the Father said about his son Jesus, he also says about you? Do you know that the scripture says over and over and over again that we are in Christ? Romans chapter 6 says that if we are baptized, we're baptized into his death and his resurrection. You are now in Christ. So what God the Father says about his son in Christ, where we are, where Renee will be brought this morning, is into a spot where every morning she can wake up, we can wake up, and we can say, God, I am one with whom you are well pleased. Do you think it would matter if you wake up in the morning and you said that instead of whatever else you say? If you said, God, I am one with whom you are well pleased because of Jesus. And then your life is awesome purpose because now who's out there that I can love? And is there anybody that needs some restoration? How can I walk with them as I let God's word impact me in who I am in Jesus and what my life is about? In Jesus. Is there any room for growth here amongst us? And for everybody who's here just for Mafer and Roberto, I don't expect you to answer. But everybody else, I expect you to answer. Okay? So, we see some teaching there. Now, there's some correcting as well. How many times you've all heard about the book of Job, Right? You've all heard about it. You've heard about that character, okay? And he's going through suffering like, I believe, like nobody knows. Boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's scraping himself with a broken pottery to relieve the pain, okay? He's going through all of this, and he did nothing wrong to deserve it. And now his friends come along, and because they can't figure out how he could be suffering if he didn't do something wrong, they're just lambasting him again and again and again. You must have done something wrong. You're the fault. You're at fault, And it's making it so much worse on him. And so he cries out for an audience with God. And when he cries out, God actually comes to meet him and to ask him a series of questions. And then Job, in in chapter 42, says this, Now I know that you can do all things. I know no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, God, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So appropriate the Sunday before we go into Ash Wednesday. He despised himself. He repented. He humbled himself. Philippians 2 says to have the same attitude among yourselves as was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself from his position as God Almighty at the right hand of the Father to come to take that position among us, to be obedient to his Father to the point of death as a servant, even death on a cross. He did to humble himself so that we might be made right with God Almighty. Are there any times when we let God's word impact us to humble us? When I might be thinking that other person needs to get their act together, they don't know what in the world they're doing, I'm not like that. When I'm so busy setting up 
the story of how this other person isn't righteous and there's so much wrong with them and neglecting to see my own sin. Does does God's word impact us to look at ourselves more humbly? That we might see that this other person is a struggler just like I struggle, who may not struggle with the same sins that I do, but just struggles. Any humbling that God might need to do in your life? And if you say, no, 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 I'm like Moses, the most humble man on all the earth, then I'd come talk to me, because I'd be like, that's not the best statement, okay? He was, but if we say that, we might not be. Rebuking. Do we let God's word rebuke us, speak into our lives? As I was reading this book, it just really hit me recently. Please listen to what this says. Helping people to feel loved and worthwhile has become the central mission of the church. We are learning not to worship God in self-denial and costly service, but to embrace our inner child, heal our memories, overcome addictions, lift our depressions, improve our self-images, establish self-preserving boundaries, substitute self-love for self-hatred, and replace shame with an affirming acceptance of who we are. Recovering from pain is absorbing an increasing share of the church's energy. And that is alarming. Although the gospel does bless us with a new identity, I spoke of earlier, that was meant to be enjoyed, it calls us to a higher values than self-acceptance. Values like turning the other cheek, esteeming others as greater than ourselves, going the second mile, enduring rejection and persecution, living not for the pleasures of this life, but for those of the next one and clinging to the promises of God when we don't feel his goodness. But these higher values, the kind that most people that make people of whom the world is not worthy from Hebrews 11, have fallen on hard times. We have become committed to relieving the pain behind our problems rather than using our pain to wrestle more passionately with the character and purposes of God. Feeling has become more important than finding feeling better has become more important than finding God. And worse, we assume that people who find God always feel better. As a result, we happily camp on biblical ideas that help us to feel loved and accepted, and we pass over scripture that calls us to higher ground. We twist wonderful truths about God's acceptance, his redeeming love, and our new identity in Christ into a basis for honoring ourselves rather than seeing those truths for what they are. The stunning revelation of a God gracious enough to love people who hated him a God worthy to be honored above everyone and everything else. I know I know too much reading. Sorry. I love to read. Did you catch the rebuke there? You may not have. The rebuke is, hey, don't make church all about you. How easy it is to make the church all about me. The church service is all about me. What I want, the music I want, the service I want, the length I want. You're going too long, Pastor. All those different things. And we lose sight of that God is actually calling us not to just make everything about us, but to humble ourselves to recognize He's God who loves us and has given us a new identity and then says, come follow me. 
Does that word have that impact on you? It's good news and hard news. It's good news and hard news. Hard news if it drives us back to receive the good news, to live again in the hope that we have in Jesus. Does that do that for you? Do you give it that room? You're really hard to read today. Does that, does that do that for you? Do you let it impact you that way? I was going to read something else to you, but I don't have the time for it. Thanks be to God, I heard you say it. Okay? It's from the book, God Weeps. In that book, God Weeps, Johnny Erickson Tata, how many of you know who that is? Johnny Erickson Tata is one who, as a teenager, dove and then broke her neck because she hit the bottom. She was a quadriplegic. And as a quadriplegic, she then started this Johnny and Friends ministry. And she went to Africa where there were people with just stumps, no hands, no, no feet, stumps, living on the streets in Ghana. And as they were living there, okay, in the urine, in the heat, without anything, without wheelchairs, without any kind of help or support, okay, those people, when she came to bring crutches and wheelchairs, were overjoyed, and they actually got together. I was going to read the story to you about them getting together and having a worship service, rejoicing, even if they didn't get a wheelchair, to watch others get wheelchairs, again, to live with only stumps, forgotten by the world around them, living in lean-tos. And there's a little statement that was very convicting to me about... Because he, he said, because Johnny asked a question of one of the people that she was serving, and, and the person said, you people in the West just don't get it. You have so much, and yet you're still not content. You have so much, and you're still just not getting that it's all about Jesus. And so we've got so much in our world, and it's like, oh, I don't have, I didn't get my way today. This wasn't going right for me, and we lose sight of just the bigger story that we can be joyful and delighting in the God who loved us so much that he showed up. Somebody reminded me just yesterday that showing up is half the battle. And Jesus showed up. And he died for you. And he rose again for you. And he ascended into heaven for you. And he rules over all things now for the sake of you, the church. Does that impact you? Or is it kind of like the Bible here that's kind of fallen off behind the counter? (coughs) How does God's word impact you today? My hope is greatly as you live centered on Christ, delighting in Christ, free in Christ, loved by Christ, joyful in Christ, longing for the day when you will live and reign with Christ. Amen? Amen.